You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. With downloads approaching the million mark, and an archival library numbering in the thousands, the Yeshiva of Newark podcast has been striving to continuously upgrade our content, professionalize our audio sound, along with altering approaches in light of much-appreciated listener feedback. I firmly believe that a niche has been carved out that resonates with many on the wide spectrum of observant Jews. This explains why we continually rank high in independent online lists of top yeshiva podcasts. That proud edifice is in real danger of toppling and disappearing. We need the help of our listeners to continue to record and edit to promote a product that has been a balm and instructor to so many. Just $36 as a minimum donation from a thousand of you out there will keep us afloat as a new arc of straight, intelligent, humorous discussion, lectures, debate, and inquiry, while the destructive waters of ignorance and identity politics, cyberbullying crash around us. Your generous contributions will seal and galvanize this arc till it comes to a satisfying rest in an era of Moyard's day, heralding Mashiach, Mheira, Biameinu, Amen. And now, Rizcha Daraisa, coming your way. Get ready. If it's the fourth day of Oder Aleph, this must be Rizcha Daraisa. No, it's not Moitzei Shabbos, and it's not Erev Shabbos. Rabbi Yosef Gavriel and I have uh, not been able to touch base because of the incredible nor'easter that has hit the Nor- New York metropolitan area. Rabbi Yosef has a shtickle yem in the pagra. I did schedule a shear this afternoon over three o'clock, an optional snow day shear. I call it, I'm calling it Kabbalah for middle school. Yes, so here you are once again dabbling in, in mysticism despite the soul of a misnaga that you have. and um, By the cold, cold soul which I possess, yes. Which lacks completely the imaginative faculties, I think, necessary for really appreciating mystical thought. But go ahead, go ahead and, and saunder forth and... Listen, since you're not doing it, I have to do it. Yeah, okay, look, I, I this is something I don't ascribe to. To me, I'd rather it would stay uh, as part of you know the, the 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 curiosity of a world unknown rather than it being explicated uh, by somebody who's going to trample all over it. But uh, well, the Bahamas and the Kibalevich. Look, there's plenty of other people, but you—I sh- don't know if it should be you. I, I think that I think we both agree that Rav Cook went too far in describing uh, messianic manifestations to the Zionist movement, and he also was too much of a, a, a warmonger when it came to World War One. I, I think also one has to take the totality of everything Rav Cook wrote, and also realize that he wasn't as much as I consider him a Kodesh and a Goin Otsum, I will admit that things that he might have written at one point, he might have reversed himself and thought differently. I think he was still a a, a human being with, with an element of flaw. I think, the mo- I think the most glaring example of that is that his application of the theory of evolution to human history. He He was a person that was impressed by the explosion of scientific knowledge at the beginning of the 20th century. And he actually thought that there was a Kabbalistic parallel to many of what was happening, much of what was happening. And I think the the great discoveries uh, in medicine and in science to him were a harbinger of the opening of, of, of Seydas HaTayra that he thought would definitely sprout, especially as Jews started coming to Eretz Yisrael. So I don't, I don't, 
you know, blame him for overseeing things or expecting. I, I, I agree. I don't think I blame either. Much like I don't blame Ralph Hirsch for being uh, for being a German patriot. Yeah, right. Well, especially since you know part of what you know Hirsch's positivity towards Germany. If we have the guts to do it, we can extrapolate towards other sorts of good citizenship that uh, unfortunately uh, is not practiced so much. But getting back to, to you and, and mysticism and Rav Cook, one thing that people ignore is how critical he was of Mizrahi as well and, and critical of, of many of, of, of the things Mizrahi was trying to do. There's so much about Rav Cook that is what we would call conservative in thought. And, and and those elements are, are ignored because the people who are waving his flag uh, have an agenda. And Baruch Hashem, uh, in this corner of Rizchadaraisa, you're not going to find somebody with much of an agenda, just rather a, a desire to to bring forth something that I think is ignored and or or, or, or truth or, or truth. Folks, you heard here first. Rabbi Avremo is kulo l'shem shamayim, no negius, no pious. No, the Look, let the chips let the chips fall where they should. But but you but you have to have a sense of perspective. So basically, we we know that Anche Palisades did not have a Super Bowl party, and part of it was probably the fact that their rov would have been uh, very upset had there been one, even if they would festoon it with 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 Toyra and 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 Frumkite. For people who are into violence, to have football. As instead of actual violence, but it is a very violent and terrible sport. No question about it. But be that as it may, uh, Rabbi Yosef Gabriel Bechafer was actually up in the air uh, when kickoff began, flying back from a site that is undisclosed. But it was—it really is part of what's become part of your uh, resume or your dossier now is that you are a person who flies around to many, many cities. And and checks on their Eruv and is considered one of the go-to people for Eruvin. Of course, he is the author of Contemporary Eruv and Modern Metropolitan Areas. And let's talk a little bit, not so much about the places you visited, because I know, Baruch Hashem, you know, that this is something which Klal Yisrael has uh, has advanced in terms of uh, supplying for their religious communities a way that families can can really appreciate Shabbos, and I know that you are an advocate of this. But I want to actually ask you about something else. I mean, you're on the plane a lot. How do you how do you deal with this with, with air travel in general? But, but I have to say, Baruch Hashem, on these these little rinky dink computer commuter planes, there isn't free internet. When there's free internet, I probably just you know do stuff on the internet. But since there isn't, so I was learning. I was catching up on Zvachim. First, I finished the parsha. It was parsha's mishpatim in the morning. And you know, I had to finish Rad Kumarashi and Mishpatim is a big uh, to do. So I finished that in the morning and the afternoon, on the way back, in the evening, I, I did Svochim. So I don't want to sound like a big Sadiq and Masmid because I'm not. But, uh, you know, the alternative, there was no alternative. There was no entertainment on the flight. There was no internet. Let's get with them. That's learning. And, and I actually want to tell you that many times I find that the, the fact that we don't have internet, the fact that we can't be called is a time to really get our thoughts together. And I've written probably some of my best. I want, I want to make clear that I'm not, I'm not a Zadig, not a Masmid, and I saw all the Minions movies on airplanes. Well, maybe we could get Steve Carell to come and do some voices <laughs> on our show. 
Yeah, I know that you're looking for minions yourself. I mean, though, though the minions exactly. would be the minions would be I the, love the kinds of minions exactly. Yeah, the minions would be the best sort of uh, best sort of group. You know, they're they're basically they're they're gishmak, but they're basically not mendacious or evil, right? But you can enjoy right. them, right? But okay, so so basically, what you're saying is is that when push comes to shove, okay, you're going to learn because that's what you you're doing, and you have you have chiyuvim. I think sometimes um, I, I have a question about how to deal with uh, seatmates. Now, again, let's not talk about a seatmate who is antagonistic, but, but let's say somebody who isn't a Jewish person at all. Um, do you feel that Mahmas Kiddush Hashem, you should say hello, mention what you do, and if they start talking to you? I think that, you know, we we do carry a badge. You know, we have our yarmulke, we have our beard, We they know who we are. And I think, you know, it behooves us to at least to say hello and to see if they are interested. Yeah, but listen, you have that person. Let's, let's, let's be clear about this. Besides, besides the shame Shamayim aspect, which of course you clarified earlier in the program is what you're completely all about. You have this uh, gregarious personality and you, you talk, you are, you make acquaintances easily and you know how to carry on a conversation. Uh, even if the other end is not doing anything to help you out. That I, I'm not like that. Now, unfortunately, so much of air travel now is security related and it's getting to the airport early enough and it's it's going through this interminable quest to get to your gate. And and there I think it's pretty hard. You know, I, I do try to take with me, even in those cramped, difficult situations, I try to take a safer with me. You know, if if your phone is working, you are able to get many, many uh that you can find. You know, I always try to stuff my phone with things uh, you know, in my email that I can access and then the attachments give me stuff to learn. Uh, I think all those things are great. You know, on the other hand, sometimes when we do such a thing, I think we could appear standoffish. And, and there is something about smiling and giving over something positive. This is always a balance uh, of how to do this Kiddush Hashem properly. Now, well, how about if you're sitting next to a, a Jewish person who isn't religious, do you feel that now is a good time for Kirov? That happened to me only once, uh, as I recall. Only happened a few years ago, way back in the saw I sat somehow sitting next to a woman who was a, a middle-aged woman, with like I think that's the age we are, more or less, a little bit maybe a few years older, who was um, very antagonistic towards uh, Iranian and uh, and uh, you know that's that's how the population, and we had a very nice long chat. And, uh, you know, at the end, she said, you know, if more Haredim were like you, I'd be okay with that. You know, these this ripple effect, you don't know, uh, you know, how much it resonates. I should say, I think we both have, have noticed things, especially on the, the uh, transatlantic flights there at Yisrael, where Haredi Shechevra, uh, if they've been placed in a seat next to a woman, will then search out a place when, and ask people to switch with them in order that they shouldn't have to have that terrible Nisoyan and situation. I've seen that happen a lot, and it, it really bothers me when I see it. I've only seen it once. What bothers me about Haredi in my plane is that they have no sense of, of personal space. I agree, but but even the idea that we all need to sacrifice for this person's frumkeit um, because Nebuch, he's in a situation where he's sitting next to a, a woman with short sleeves or next to any sort of woman. You know, I, I think this this bespeaks a, a type of entitlement 
that 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 really needs to be slammed. I, I think the Gedele Yisrael should say, look, you know, just like Rav Moshe wrote about Shuvas of sitting about how the Isirim Nagia and other things don't apply in a crowded subway. I think we have to apply that, that there's a certain menschlichkeit and an acceptance that has to happen on a plane as well. Instead of saying, oh no, I'm, you know, this is Yarg Val Yavar and this is Abizrayu and I better get up and make a, a fool of myself. Uh, you have to be macabre, take the safer out, and believe me, look, uh, the same way on the subway, you can take out your Lakute Maran and be in a different Oilam. Uh, I think these clever have to do the same thing. The problem is, I don't think they have much Teichen. Like, um, you know, when my wife was sitting in the aisle, and there are people, the, the people down getting up to Daven, they were, you know, putting their bodies into her face when they were putting on the towels and fill in and not, not really um, paying attention to be trying to be mitzimtim themselves. Maybe tim, they want to get past the symptom. You know. Well, I do find that you know when when I flew to Yisrael in the nineties, I noticed that there was a consternation on the part of the flight crew about making the minyanim and standing up. It seems like now, and I've gone a couple of times in the last couple of years, that they've sort of given up. <laughs> they realize that there's going to be chevra standing up and davening, and instead of trying to fight it, they just try to manage it as best as possible. I, I don't dive with the minion plane because it's from Zaman or Yoshi. Both said not down with the minion plane, but I saw many, I saw many of them. You know, there were many minion plane in place. And they told me what people did and said, yeah, they don't care. But so I think this is sort of like, a, a, you know, an adaptation. Look, we, we all know that there's so much about the rules and security rules and regulations of, of safety that are all chumra mito chumra mito chumra. And I think that's part of why the, the Haredi Chevelle says, look, this is just, yeah, you really think there's going to be a, a water landing here? You really think that there's, well, I have to be so worried here? So I think that's part of why they allow the attitude of of, of being Makayim Mitzvahs Kitikunai as much as possible. They allow that to, uh, to to carry the day. Despite the, again, the, the, the Chilu Hashem involved, again, I, I think there should be more Hayroys from uh, the G'dayli Yisrael about proper uh, plain etiquette, uh, and you know we don't. We, we definitely don't hear enough of it. Well, listen, uh, we 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 spoke on this point before about how the daily uh, saw very often now get by private planes. The three, two or three hour flights that you've been taking across the country uh, to make sure all the Aravin are safe are a lot different uh, than the Odyssey of the ten or twelve hour trip. And I think they're, you know, I think we have to discuss them separately. But as I was saying, you know, you know, I I think that the the disconnect can give you a chance not only to to learn something that you have to catch up on, but also to put your machshavas together, to write in a way when you're above the earth, and, and to sort of think about things not when you're in the whirlwind. And there's something about that 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 place on the plane uh, where where the comments I think can be can be true and, and really reflect an unhurried sense of who you are. So now let's put it in perspective. On one of your most recent jaunts, you you uh, came to uh, meet one of the students of someone we both really respect as a true symbol of Chochmah and Torah and Midas and Derech Heretz, uh, an Enoko from the Morinayim, from the Chernobyl, Chaim Eliezer Tversky, who's really a, a very a great a great teacher and has been a, a, a stellar Rav in Lincolnwood. And uh, and giving the smicha shir, I think, for a number of years uh, in Skokie Yeshiva now. So the news is that Reb Chaim is now resigning. He's retiring. 
Barry and Willie Dodds as well, yeah. That's great. Look, you know, would you expect anything less from uh, uh, from from Matorsky? I mean, this is as as comfortable as I'm sure he was uh, as his balabata made him. Would you expect him to do anything less than 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 you know retire to the Eretz Hakodesh? No, I. Uh, but uh, it's a, it's a terrible loss for Chicago. Chicago has, my opinion, at this point, no other redeeming no redeeming factors. <laughs> it had one. Now it loses that one. I, I think in Chicago. Like many other people, he was underappreciated. But part of part of again, you know, Reb Chaim is 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 his modesty really encloses his 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 uh, his real stellar mind and ability to analyze. He he is a tremendous package, and a person who uh, cares deeply. And in many ways, really, is an embodiment, despite the you know the his his you know, of, of really the the best of what the Baal Shem Tov wanted out of his Talmudim. I agree with you. It's a big loss. And uh, you, Chicago's going to have to work hard, Lincolnwood, to be Mamala with Chassarin and Skokie Yeshiva as well. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about two other subjects. You know, I said this is the fourth day of other Rishon, and um, I mentioned to you the interesting Machlik is actually about, is there an Indian of being Marba B'Simcha at all? First of all, is there, what does Marba B'Simcha mean? Yeah, that itself is a subject of debate among the Achrayim. Does it mean to actually go positively and and, and do things that are being misameach, uh, as Rav Chaim Kanievsky, says, to actually drink wine uh, if you can throughout? Rav Chaim was very big on wine. You know, like he said, I think I've quoted this on the program before that if you want to make a siyum during the nine days and be eat meat, you have to make a siyum every time you finish mesechta, and you have to have wine. What's interesting is that he's a, since he's a Litvak, so he says, you eat with grape juice. He seems to indicate that for women. He says women and children could have grape juice, if you take a look there. There's also a, a quote attributed to him. This Chayda should be a month that you can schedule uh, some sort of case against a non-Jew if you have, and you don't have to worry. You could actually think you're going to win. And he says, if you don't have that, he says, try to f- schedule something with it. Try to somehow find some sort of... I'm bad at sense of humor. Yeah, was obviously try, try, to find, try to find some sort of dispute and bring a non-Jew into it so you could body the Simcha of winning. He couldn't have meant it seriously, and yet it's quoted as if that's what you have to do. Now, yes. Hishver felt that you don't, none of this is, is, is a chiyuv. He says, whatever it is that gives you a sense of Simcha, that is what Marm means, but it doesn't apply until the second month, until Chaydish other bays. Rav Yoshev seems to align himself with uh, Rav Yaakov Emden, the Prichodesh, and the Mogan Avram, that sees other Aleph merely as a placeholder uh, in the calendar in order to make sure that we have a Chaydash Aviv for Nisan. It really, yes, we, we call it other Aleph, but, uh, you know, despite the, the sugyas in, in Kedushan and in Saita talking about the significance of Moshe's Ptira and other Aleph, but really when it comes to Marben Besimcha, uh, it's really just other Beis. And it's interesting that Rav Chaim went so far to say that it's Marben Besimcha even on the, on, on the first day of Rishchaydish other Aleph, right? <laughs> and and it, it, no, it's, he, he said no. He said that he had a deal that 
One second. What he said was, is that he holds to drink wine only, which is obviously a falshadik, that he says that meaning only on Rosh Chodesh I'm going to do the great simchas. Right. And, and, there are, and there's a basis in the letters of the Chassam Soifer as well, that Oder Aleph is a time of marbin besimcha. The question is what that simcha is. I would rather... To say for our Rizcha Daraisa listeners, I'd like to quote Rav Shlomo Zalman and another statement attributed of Chaim. Rav Shlomo Zalman said that it isn't just doing things that that you feel or, or give you simcha, but rather you should be meiser daiga me from your heart, and you should do your best not to give over to other people dvarim that are, are, are that, that are mitzayer. And again, I think this is such an important message. Bisman Azeh, exactly now, when so many negative reports about what's happening in Eretz Yisrael, uh, about the status of, of Klal Yisrael, the status of anti-Semitism, according to Rishlam Zalman, we have to be marbe with dvarim that are mesameachas. Part of it is to work, especially now. You know, it is, you mentioned to me yesterday how, how, how terrible you felt about all the negative uh, reportage on the hostage rescue that occurred uh, just a couple of days ago, how terrible it is that nothing can be displayed in the press without damning Eretz, without damning Israel, even when what they're doing is 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 is, is the most humanitarian of acts. And we could bemoan this together, but I think it's just going to hurt us in terms of. Of, of of making us feel a sense of negativity towards the world and how we are surrounded. I think it's going to cement a, a victimhood mentality, which uh, which which I don't think is positive. The other thing I wanted to quote is is a statement attributed of Chaim that David Melech said, and it's always great to learn Torah, but especially perhaps if you want to be Marba Basimcha, uh, you should try perhaps to open up new v- vistas of learning during these days. You know, I actually bought a new safer. I, I, somebody told me that there's this big guy in Kabbalah in Eretz Yisrael. He calls himself the Sar Beis HaZohar. Uh, the Reb Shmuel B'Nayahu Shmeili. And he evidently is a prolific author. He's been to his own translation of Zohar. He went, one I bought, just to check it out, is called Saba de Mishpatim. Evidently the main... Uh, Player of Gilgulim is in the yeah, in the Zayra Mishpatim. Yeah, put it this way: I think Zayra Kodesh is a much better place for you to start than uh, say for Oros or, or Leshem or anything. The best thing I w- would advise is is instead of going into the thickets of some Mavire, why don't you just go through Zayra straight through? Especially you have Margolis's incredible Nitzutze Zayra. That would be a great seder for you, you know, and I think that would, I think you'd get a lot of people learning with you together. And I think you I don't have it. I don't have the Margolis edition. I have the Sulam. Yeah. Again, but again, the way to start is with Margolis. The way to start is with the standard edition, re- learning up what you can. And, 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 and you'll see, especially if you see the Shari Zoyar that, uh, that Ruva Margolis wrote, which goes together in its Zoyar, you'll see all the connections to the Gemaras and Nigla and Midrashim. I tried to make myself with some svarim, so I bought uh, recently Shagar's uh, biurim on Sipur of Nachman. Uh, Rav Rosenberg, Zochayin uh, Lavrocha, has been sort of elevated by uh, in certain corners as being, you know, the second Rav Cook. 
he's a wonderful writer and his insights are geschmack. And uh, I, I treated myself to uh, Shagar's uh, Biurim on Sipur Rev Nachman, which I think he does a great job in reading and in teasing out a lot of intent that perhaps others might not have seen. That's that's that would be a a, a dvarma, uh, yeah, in a way that could be misameach. I understand he's very postmodern. Like there's no everything is amorphous kind of. I guess that's good for the support of Nachman. I also couldn't resist buying uh, the Korin Steinsaltz edition of the Rambam. Uh, I, I believe there is, you know, we talk about learning the Zoyer straight. What is, what's unique about it? First of all, it is the OCAs are so beautiful. I don't know what the Segula of Corin publishing is, but you know, everything that they print is such a geschmack to learn from, to read, the typesetting, um, and, and just to to learn the Rambam uh, from that book is, you know, Panam Chadosh's by Lukan. So uh, the notes that Steinsaltz has, again, he, he and his team uh, try to be Makatzer. There are some interesting little essays in the back, uh, but it's it, it's a way, once again, to to appreciate uh, the giant who the Rambam was. To me, it sort of uh, concretizes, you know, the Chabadsker's approach that, you know, Rambam, there's something about, you know, just learning up Rambam uh, 15, 20 minutes a day that is, I think, very healthy. It's it's something which I think we're sometimes missing because, you know, we use the Rambam just as the springboard. Instead of just reading up the halachas, reading up the parak, um and, and, and the Steinsaltz edition, uh, just like the Rambam La'am, which, you know, if you don't have the money, you can probably get the Rambam La'am for nothing. They probably are giving them away in, 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 at Pinter's bookstore. So I would uh, say that's not a bad option either. Let's close today uh, as we talk about being misameach ourselves with new limitatera and, and a lack of atzvus with a, um, a realistic like hayro, I guess, from Rav Yehuda Silman. Well, it's a fascinating thing I just saw this morning. It's Rabbi Silman. Who's, um, I wrote an article against his COVID policy many years ago, but uh, he came out and said that to, that basic girls have been taught um, that the, to expect that their husbands are the Chazanish, everyone's the Chazanish, everyone is the God of Batera, and that when they come home, they should be story, and they should be sitting on the, on the couch with a Rashba. He said, most younger light are not the Chazanish. And if they learn eight hours a day, that's great. So eight hours kind of means like nine to five. And um, that uh, they go home, come home and read kids' comics books. <laughs> comics? Then uh, you should not, you should not, you should encourage him to learn, but you don't, you should not rebuke him because you don't you think he's learning enough. It'll be counterproductive and ineffective and inappropriate. Are you with Silman on this? Listen, on the one hand, he's right. And uh, it's, it is refreshing to see someone uh, with put a, trying to put a dose of reality into the world and trying to uh, buck the system. Which has always been that uh, you know everybody is, can be the next corredor, and you know you you're, you're marrying him. Um, so that that uh, that is uh, refreshingly uh, and brutally honest. And uh, Rav Schlesinger from Shalvim many years ago told told us that he asked Rav Schlesinger, "Is he mechuyev to take into Kolo people who are, he knows are not going to be rabbonim and poskim in the next generation?" Rav Schlesinger said, "Yes, they should be in Kolo." So the street will be holier. So the, uh, you know, the, the, the gas. So um, 
So there is a purpose for these people in the Quail too, even if they're not wearing them of Lila, even if they are relaxed in comics books, which comic books, which I don't you know, either of us could have done, done as well. So the, uh, but Meidok, you saw, and as you saw, as somebody wrote when they saw this, they said, well, why should I support these people and allow them to get out of doing the army and other national obligations if they're just learning during Seder and reading comics and not being mamis asma malateo? The truth is, you know, I think Rav Dessler would even admit that the Nakuda Sabahira doesn't allow these guys not to go in Kayul. Everything about the way they've been raised and trained and everything they've heard and every influence doesn't even give them this option. Hey, maybe I shouldn't uh, be a Kailu guy. Of course, <laughs> the idea that they should, you know, earn a living and be a, a decent plumber and have a Seder at night or in the morning before they go off to work, that never even comes into their into their mentality. And therefore, it's uh, it's, it's it's accepted. They won't they wouldn't get the shidduch that they they that they feel they deserve. Uh, they wouldn't be friends with the people around them if this would be the life path they would take. So I don't know how we deconstruct that. But I think both of us, you know, are elitists. I think both of us think there's too many people banding about and calling themselves kolyul guys who don't have true avasatayra, who don't know what meimis atzmoi latayra means. I didn't read Silman's article. But it sounded like Silman was blaming the seminaries, that the seminaries were guilty of inflating into the women's minds what married life would be and giving them sort of this imagined idea that they could all be Rachel Baskal Basua and, and be supportive of, of a great, great scholar. I think that's, you know, what he was trying to say that they, they that uh, to try to, uh, you know, make sh- more shalom bias by making more realistic understanding of what this world is. That it's, you're going to have, you know, a, a, a number of decent feeling, maybe geschmack, but mostly mediocre uh, people in learning or middling people in learning. And, and this is what you have to live with. And therefore, uh, you don't want to have marital discord as well. Look, as you know, I'm a big comic aficionado. I'm not sure what he means by comics. We're not talking about Superman and Batman and Daredevil and Spider-Man. What we're talking here about is... Uh, kids, comic, kids from comics, and which is something which I think has happened throughout the world. That graphic novels have replaced, and, and for many people, you know, stories and books. Where when we were growing up, you know, there was classics illustrated, but most people had to imagine what David Copperfield was going through. Over the last thirty-five years, everything has been turned, and I think a lot of it is part of the the manga, you know, from the manga influence from the Orient that everything has to be in a comic form. And therefore, the Torah world is full of religious literature, in a way, where everything is being displayed um, you know, by, by in, in, in a comic book form. And that's probably what you mean in terms of that. You know, they have kids, you know, Shabbos in cartoons, Mishnayis in cartoons, car comics, you know, things like that. I think right, and, 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 and Hilchus Loshon Har, of course, was done so famously, uh, I think about 35, 40 years ago, where they were getting... My cousin's his- wife. Right. And that, of course, you know, seemed to be proper, especially as it was dealing with, you know, lush and horror situations that might happen. So I think we've all become, you know, know, sort of like we've all been dumbing down uh, the way we perceive things. I want to make one more point before we go about Rabbi Silman's thing very quickly. The bottom line is that the people criticize him. I'm not taking sides in this issue for now about, uh, well, why should we pay Berkha Reagan to... Uh, to do nine to five and what read comic books. 
the, as Rabbi Dessler says, it's not a, any individual who's going to become the next Kolodor. We can point that and say, this guy should be excused. The other guy should go to the army. It's the Elef Nichnasim Lamikra Bechad Yitzhara. So, and it's uh, something where the cream rises to the top on its own. So, therefore, even though not uh, from the, the perspective of, uh, you know, Haredi society, that's called, the, the, the 999 who are learning, even though they could be going to the army, are the price to get the one who's actually going to be the next God of the door. Yeah, okay. Well, again, you, you've, you've, you've used this argument in the past, and I think, unfortunately, it's getting watered down and shot through holes. Like Swiss, yeah, I don't necessarily say I subscribe to. I'm just saying yeah, that that's like Swiss era. cheese, especially in a time, uh, especially in, in the present period. Well, as we said, look, if you take whatever interpretation you take of Marvin Besimcha, and as, as, as the Munkacha writes, you have to be, if you're a Balshemtiv person, you have to be Besimcha, obviously, constantly, and using options of Simcha. We encourage you to make use of the complete, uh, Rischa Daraisa archives, where you will definitely find yourself hopefully uh, uplifted and smiling. And really, almost everything that, that Rabbi Bechoffer and I have, whether it's his massive recordings or it's our, uh, on, on the Yeshiva of Newark podcast archives, you will find a lot of great things there. So therefore, as as I said, look, we we want to be your partner in in, in, in being Marbis Simcha and Marbis Rio Alisas Hanefesh, the way we can continue being your partner is not just the old archives, which will probably be up there, but also to generate new and exciting and wonderful ideas and discussions. And we can't do it without your help. We can't do it without your financial help. Whatever you are able to do, please understand that this is a labor of love for both of us, but it's something that needs the muscle of the dollars and cents. Needs a lot of editing, which will cost money. That's right. Our editing, because basically Rabbi Pechaffer and I go off in places that needs to be cut and put together in a way that makes us sound like intelligent human beings. The people don't realize that before you start recording, you have to say exploding bananas every day. <laughs> so I'll go upon him, I'll realize that you can uh, send money to uh, our to this number, 847-239-0159. It will go into the Yeshiva of Newark. Tax deductible, right? It's a tax deductible Yeshiva of Newark podcast account. You will receive a a letter of thanks and something you can use uh, to indicate your tax-free donation. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, Please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.